You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 36 of the Comic Book Informer. We're coming to you on Wednesday, July 20th, and indoors this time. I'm your host, Vince, uh, with my ever-so-patient co-host, Roger. The sound quality is much better, I'll give you that. We don't know about content yet. That might not be any better, but the <laughs> sound's better. At least I have my notes in front of me. Now, I don't know if that'll help that much. Hey, 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 actually, you know what? I'll give you last week there. You pulled it off. Even without notes, it sounded like you knew what you were talking. Granted, I know you well enough to know that you can talk out of your ass like nobody's business. Well, I'm not hey. even bleeping that out. You can say <laughs> ass. It's still clean. Well, not yours per se, but you know what I'm saying. Well, if you can't make it, you got to fake it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just go with what you got. But anyway, for this week... Um, I wanted to talk about Captain America because you're hey, just ramping up for this. Sh- oh, abs- with absolutely! With the movie coming gotta, up, this is this is the biggest thing in your life right now. You, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend could tell me she's pregnant, and I was like, "That's great. Can it wait until after, yeah, after. the movie?" <laughs> <laughs> this, this bottle of wine is set aside for Captain America, not you, darling. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a mini series I read a while back that I've. When we started the show back up, I knew I was going to want to talk about, and I've just been trying to find the right time. And of course, what better time than this week? And that is Mark Wade and Jorge Molina's Captain America Man Out of Time miniseries. It was five issues. It started being published in November 2010 and ran through March of this year. And it was it definitely caught me by surprise because there was so much Captain America stuff coming out over the past six months or so that this one kind of got lost in the shuffle for me. There was just so much going on. I was like, okay, whatever. But then I kept hearing a lot of people talking about how much they loved this series. Mark Wade himself saying that a couple issues of this series may be the best comics he's ever written in his career. So I was like, okay, I've got to check this one out. And I'm not quite sure how this story fits overall. I think it's kind of a, a retcon of Cap's origin story, having him wake up in 2000 instead of, you know, the, the 60s, just kind of making things fit in a more modern timeline. And re- regardless of how the story fits into continuity, that doesn't mean it's not a great story on its own. I mean, the, 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 the series starts off with not Cap America and Bucky. It starts off with... Steve and James, you know, just showing them, you know, in their downtime as soldiers and just getting a nice little grasp on the characters before the iconic scene where Bucky is, quote, killed and Cap is lost. And I love how it was entirely from Captain America's point of view. There was no the Avengers going and digging him out of the iceberg. One panel, he's in 1945. The next panel, he's in 2000 something. And it's that jarring um disorienting style of that first issue that really was something different. You see it entirely from Cap's point of view, and you really see just how awkward this must have been. I mean, I can only imagine what it's like to wake up after 60 years of being on ice. Literally, sorry. And I just just liked, we have the usual juxtaposition of, uh, you know, the, the life from the 40s to now. And there was a lot of the things you would expect like you know he goes into the 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 restaurant he's like are those the prices up there you know he tries to put a nickel into the the payphone so there's a lot of the the 
you could say cliche stuff, but I felt it was handled well enough with the disorienting aspect that it really worked for me. See, I find that, and and you know me well enough to know that if something's cliche, I'll call it out on it. And with something like this, you would certainly expect that there would be a lot of cliches. What I found, however, is that those few moments that would otherwise have been considered as cliche, at least for me, like what you just described, were so inconsequential to the story, were so inconsequential in terms of um, everything that he was feeling because... The impression that I had was that he wasn't having a hard time adapting with the computer and things like that. It was it was barely mentioned kind of thing or with the phones or with the things like that. What he was having a hard time with, not necessarily even a hard time, what he was liking was how people had changed. Oh, yeah. And how he didn't have to, you know, there there wasn't the prejudice that you'd seen in the time where he'd come from and even something as subtle as you mentioned the diner when he's sitting down in the diner and he sees the customer slapping the waitress on the ass and back in his time when he's imagining it kind of thing and mm-hmm. um and that's something that he feels would not have occurred in our time uh especially when he sees the picture of the challenger crew and notices the woman there and makes a comment on that as well so those are the things that i took from the story that were the most important things to him that were really really had an impact on him and not so much just the technological advances and things like that and to me that was the perfect way to write it because it didn't veer towards cliche instead it it went an entirely different route than i was expect i was not expecting and i really liked it because of that yeah like for example uh at the beginning when he's in the hospital and the the uh the black female yes. is you know checking his wound and he's like oh uh, good job there nurse and she's like nurse i'm a doctor he's like really you're a doctor <laughs> he's like what's that supposed to mean nothing yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's that cool juxtaposition again of the culture and the society between those those years that really made this something special and the reason he goes along with all this craziness that's happening to him i, I liked his little uh, letters to the general where he was talking about the robot and the circus strongman referring to iron man yeah. and thor <laughs> and, and how he's just kind of going along with all the craziness because he thinks it's a dream and he's like, there, there's no way this could actually be happening. OK, you know, like there was some sort of accident with the plane. I'm unconscious. I'm dreaming until he read the uh, wiki of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt on Rick Jones's computer and saw that Roosevelt had died shortly before the end of World War Two. And he's like, not even in my craziest nightmares could my mind have come up with something that cruel for the leader of our country to have passed away before our great victory in the war? And that's just kind of what snapped him out of it. And I mean, that was just a, a very well-written scene, just seeing, you know, the emotion that he felt uh, towards what he what was his leader at the time. You know, he is so patriotic and just the way that that changed his character at that exact point in the story. I absolutely loved that. And you, like you're saying, you see it. You actually do see it on the panels. The art was well done in in, in that up until that point, quite often he is still seeing Bucky. And in those panels where he's finally accepting what it is, the reality as it is, it's slowly shifting over and you're getting part Bucky and part, what's his face there? What was his name? 
Rick, Rick Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're seeing that split panel. And again, it's 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 not a big deal, but it was enough that it puts you in his mindset, which is what the entire miniseries did. And again, it did it very well. Yeah, it's one thing to just retell an origin. It's another thing entirely to retell that origin story with a completely different tone and voice and still have it work. And I, I, I can't praise it enough for, for the way it retold and updated the story of Captain America. And in those first two issues, it was just, you know, kind of the adventure thing of him trying to rescue the Avengers who've been turned to stone and all that. And while it did have those great moments, it's really issue three where the story shifted to more of the seeing just how Steve is viewing the present day when he goes on the tour of the Smithsonian with Tony Stark and Tony's pointing out all the great things. You know, we landed on the moon and just all the great things that humanity has accomplished over the years. Uh, Martin Luther King's speech and just how, OK, the technology is great. But when he's looking at all these great people in the Smithsonian, all the people who have really lived the idea of freedom in America. That's what makes him proud to have served as the symbol of Captain America. Yeah, going to the moon is great, but an American being the one to go to the moon, that was more special for him than the actual event itself. Yeah, it's funny because, see, we look at this series very differently, quite obviously, because yes. you are American and I'm Canadian, and I like that we see it differently as well. But what's funny is that I, um, I was talking to... Uh, one of my daughters about this because obviously the movie's coming out and whatnot and I was saying that the first in the reboot of the Captain America had come out and I picked it up and whatnot because I was quite proud of my my variant cover that I mentioned (laughs) like it's so pretty look and she was saying you know what I've never been into Captain America and I said you know what I wasn't before either not because of any kind of anti-Americanism ism whatever but just because I just it's it's hard to explain. It's a, it's a whole different mentality. And and part of the ones, some of the ones that I'd read before, they were a little too much of the, you know, go, go America patriotism, um, which I don't care what nationality is doing it. If there's too much of that in a, in a comic book, I'm not going to like it. I don't care if it's freaking Canadian. Um, but what's funny is that lately the ones that I've been reading haven't been about that. And what I was explaining to her is that it's not, yes, it is this, you know, very patriotic soldier. But what you get more of the recent comics that I've been reading is the man. And you're getting that incredible sense of patriotism, but it's not always even associated just to America. It's just this incredible soldier story. And from that, you can derive so many other stories. And then also with the time lost and things like that. So I was saying like there's a lot to the character that did not used to be there when I tried it, you know, well over 25 years ago now. That depth of character wasn't there. And now lately with the ones that I've been reading, it is there. And I have really, really been enjoying it. But it is funny when there are those really quite obvious American patriotic patriotic moments. I can appreciate them, um, but it still has a different impact than it would on you guys. Even though when you're looking at something like, of course, with World War War II, that had a global impact. Everybody can relate to that. So when he's talking about those things, it is still something that we can relate to as well and appreciate the sacrifices that everybody made and, and, and the sacrifices that he made as well. 
Yeah. And that's a great point to make because so many of the things that Steve Rogers believes in that he fights for, yes, they are American ideals, but America doesn't have a monopoly on freedom. So it it is definitely a character that on the surface, of course, it's it's a very American ideal, but the character itself appeals well beyond the borders of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And what they're doing with him lately is giving him that required depth so that everybody can appreciate it and really enjoy it. And I have been. This miniseries was really, really well done. I was very impressed with the writing. I, I, I liked it a lot. And after his, you know, his great, uh, you know, yay America moment with Tony, the story again takes a complete 180 shift when he visits um, his old general who's in a nursing home. And the general tells him the other side of things like, OK, yeah, Martin Luther King gave one of the greatest speeches in history. Did he tell you what happened to him after that? And, you know, just revealing, you know, the darker side of American history, things like Watergate, uh, the Vietnam War, which I loved Steve's quote. It's like, oh, man, we lost a war in Vietnam. That's not what he said. It was how did a America lose a war because Steve Rogers version of America, it was not flawed. Yeah. And just seeing how we could lose this war to a bunch of people running around a jungle. That concept was completely foreign to, you know, the super soldier. And this was when, you know, he really started wanting to go back in time, wanting, you know, he's like, he was, when Tony talked him into staying in the present, he was, he was okay with it. But you know, now that he's seen the other side of it, he's really wanting, once again, questioning whether he wants to stay in the modern day. So of course, enter time traveling supervillain Kang the Conqueror, who just pretty much boots him back to 1940s America, uh, right after the war is over. So he goes back to living as, well, trying to live as Steve Rogers civilian. And he tries to take all these things that he saw in the future and live in the past with the ideals, you know, talking to the black people at the baseball game or, you know, again, seeing like you were talking about the, uh, the way the waitresses are being treated in the restaurant. And I found this really interesting for me on the second read through because I just recently played uh, L.A. Noir, the uh, video game, which, again, is set in mid 1940s America right after the war. And that game, as well as this miniseries, really ties into, yeah, America was great. They were doing a lot of great things. The economy was booming. Everybody you know, was gung ho about the future. But there was still a lot wrong with society, especially looking back on it with how much things have changed in the intervening years. So it was an interesting read the first time, but then going and playing that game and living in the 40s for a while and then coming back and reading this again, it is that much more striking for me. I can almost get that, get the way Steve is feeling in these scenes after having done that. See, I like those old movies. That's the thing that I keep thinking about. So when when I'm seeing him there, I'm thinking about all the old black and white movies that we've watched. His wife and I love watching those. And the ones that have been well done, wherein you really do feel like you're living in that time period, you can relate that to this because, again, it was, it was well written. And so, and because, because it's so... Um, it's it's not written first person entirely, but it's so much in his head that you're seeing it from that different perspective of, you know, that what if that you might ask yourself, what if I went back? What would it be for me going back now knowing everything as it is now in, in some cases how it should be with equality? And and it, it touched on all of those things really well. I mean, again, when you're looking at something as as subtle as a slap on the ass with the waitress, and yet it spoke volumes of, you know, 
that kind of thing should not happen. Of course, it still does, but not to the degree that it did then. Yeah, it, it's not so much accepted widely by society anymore. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, while he's back in the past, Cap realizes, you know, what he what's really right. You know, he still has a sense of duty to the Avengers and he ends up going back, saving the day and, you know, becoming the Captain America we all know now. And just seeing the evolution of the character over the period of those five issues, that's that's something that, you know, has taken decades in the actual comics. And Mark Wade was able to distill it down to its core points and tell it with a certain tone and seriousness that I mean, let's face it, this is a guy wearing an American flag on his chest, fighting robots and, <laughs> and time traveling supervillains. And yet it still felt very real and very touching. I absolutely loved this miniseries. Yep. So we're going to move away from Man Out of Time and talk about last week's new release, Captain America number one by Ed Brubaker and Steve McNiven. And I like what Brubaker has done in avoiding the whole why is Steve Rogers back as Captain America for a few issues? Because that, first of all, he says he doesn't want to ruin the plot of fear itself. Well, too late for that, but that's <laughs> that's a completely different point. But it allows a reader who hasn't been reading Captain America ongoing previously to pick up this issue and just be on board with the story. It's not tied into anything past. All you need to know is Steve Rogers is Captain America and he's out there just being a complete superstar. <laughs> I love Brubaker's Captain America because it has the same thing we see here. It, it, it has this weight and, and real world quality, but he still doesn't uh, disappoint in giving Cap, you know, his Captain America moments. It's fighting off, you know, thugs, whatever, diving, protecting people. Every time I've read a Brubaker Captain America comic in each issue, there has been that Captain America moment that, you know, really lets you see just how cool the character is. And the, the story in this issue, it it's going somewhere. It's interesting. But again, for somebody for somebody who hasn't read Captain America, I think this is a great thing to just pick up and instantly be right in his boots. Well, it was it was nice because it was um, as a, a, a number one issue. It starts off slow. It starts off more serious. It shows you the the human side of Steve Rogers going to the funeral and whatnot, and and then progresses from there so that into the insanity afterwards, kind of thing, and, and the action. So I like that. I I, I like when you can start to th- like. I know that they have to hit the ground running to a certain degree so that they can hook their audience and bring them back. But I also like when you can see. There's a, a build up towards it, and you can see the the human part of who it is that you're you're reading. And I thought that it was well done in this. I mean, it's it's a serious moment that can show a, a lot of of uh, of of who a person is. Mm-hmm. And I never really enjoyed Captain America himself as a character for for many years. His solo title was. It had its moments, but it never really grabbed me. I always knew Captain America in the Avengers. When Captain America is leading the Avengers, he's just always Captain America. There wasn't very many Steve Rogers moments in those comics. And it was the same thing in his ongoing for so many years. And that's the one thing that really made me love Brubaker's Captain America. I've read every issue Ed Brubaker has written of Captain America, and I've loved pretty much all of it because he does give you those Steve Rogers moments. And he has a good handle of the way the character is like 
you know, Captain America never stops being Captain America. It's it's that whole thing uh, like in Kill Bill. Superman is always Superman. You know, he doesn't stop being Superman. Same thing. Captain America, even if he doesn't have the shield, he doesn't have the costume. It's it's his character and you know just the way he thinks that makes him Captain America, not the super soldier serum and and the shield. And that's the one thing I like about the way Brubaker writes the character. Yep. And it's just a fun issue. Uh, great, great, looks like a good story coming up, uh, tying in the past with the present. And hey, Baron Zemo shows up. You can't have a Captain America story without Baron Zemo. So I'm really looking forward to this one going on. I will read the other ones. I'm hoping that the... Um it, it, I'm hoping that it grabs me because I, I do want to read it. I, I don't want to say that the first issue didn't grab me. It's it's nowhere near a best first one that I've we've read recently, even in my opinion. But it was still good, and I'm really hoping that the story pans out so that it is something that I can enjoy. Yeah, and for those who are wondering how the Fear Itself storyline ties in with the Captain America, Brubaker said after Fear Itself is done, he's going to write a few issues tying back into what happens there and you know, kind of like a little flashback and giving the character of Bucky Barnes his due, which, which is important. Yeah. So speaking of Fear Itself, uh, that's part of what my, my what I've been reading uh, this past week. Fear Itself, of course, came out uh last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago, along with the Flashpoint. And I read issue four. I'm completely done with the tie-ins at this point. I, I No, no, thank you. Um, but I do have to say issue four is better. <laughs> I still won't say it's good, but, but it is better. Finally, halfway through this huge miniseries, they explain what the hell the story is about. Now, granted, the explanation is literally Thor walking through the door and an entire page of exposition. So they don't tell it well, but they finally do explain it. <laughs> no, that's like a, a waiter at a restaurant and you ask him, how's the fish today? And he says, better. It's not good, but it's better. <laughs> Are you going to have the fish? No, you're not going to have the fish. <laughs> yeah, but we do get some great moments in there. We get... Steve Rogers once again taking the mantle of Captain America. You know, I'm going to ruin it because it's freaking fear itself. It's not good. Don't read it. They killed off Bucky Barnes in issue three. So Bucky is no longer Captain America. So seeing Steve's decision to once again, you know, become Captain America, it's an admittedly cool moment because there's no, oh, should I? It's no. They messed up my best friend. I'm going to go get my revenge. Yeah, and it's it's that Captain America-ness to it. But that, once, that, that was pretty cool. once again, Somer ruined it. Really? <laughs> With that, that comic where, oh, where Steve's is like reaching for the shield? <laughs> He's not going to need this, is he? <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh, you bastard. You're ruining all of these moments. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's other little moments in there. Like, first of all, Thor facing off against the Hulk and the Thing at the same time. That can't not be awesome, at least from an artwork perspective. So that's something to look forward to. And uh, Iron Man goes to gain an audience with Odin and he comes up with this big speech. He's like, I know I can't just show up and have you come out. You gods, you always want, you know, the mortals to supplicate themselves and to give you a sacrifice. Well, I don't have any virgins handy. And, you know, I've done so many bad things in my life. You know, I don't have that much worth sacrificing anymore. And then he pulls out a bottle of booze. He's been sober for so many years. And he's like, this is the only thing I have left to sacrifice and it was his sobriety so it's just a cool little character moment that while overall the story is still pretty iffy they, there were some good moments in issue four that i really enjoyed stark i got no use for stark 
<laughs> and uh, just to touch briefly on another mini series that started up uh, a couple weeks ago, Vengeance. Uh, it's oh. yeah. I, I've been wanting to know how how that is. I haven't read it yet. Um, it's interesting. I okay. I. Haha. No, I'm it, glad I didn't buy the variant for it because it was the number one was there with the variant and I looked at it and it was like, hmm, I really shouldn't. And I didn't. So I'm glad I didn't. No, it's it's definitely good. But uh, Joe Casey and I was reading an interesting article about him. Um, he's one of the writers behind the the man of action company, basically just quick divergence. They're the ones responsible for several very popular cartoons and cartoon network. So. He doesn't need to write comics. He's doing fine financially. So when he writes comics, he writes stories that he wants to write. And that's what Vengeance is. It's it's this very high concept comic. And I can't really say that much about it because it's definitely something I have to go back and read to really, you know, focus on it and give it more time. Because I, I know there's great stuff here. I just know there's an awful lot that right now is actually going over my head. And I actually kind of like that. I, I like that it's a very complex comic that it, it's going to make for a very interesting story. The one thing I do have to say is it's definitely one of those stories I can already tell that's going to be better reading all at once instead of month to month. So it, it's going to make for a great graphic novel, I'm sure. But as far as a monthly miniseries... It's going to be a bit touchy, especially if you don't give it the time that a story of this caliber deserves, because like I said it it's in there. <laughs> I just have to find it. OK, I'm going to wait then until it's all done, because I do want to read it, but I can wait. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you got up your sleeve? OK, I've got I'm only going to touch on three. I've got obviously a lot more, but but and if I would have made it to the comic book store today, I would be talking about Marvel Universe's. Worse mm -hmm. versus Wolverine. I, 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 because I know I'm going to love it. It's waiting for me and it's killing me that I wasn't able to make it to the comic book shop. Yeah, today. I, I couldn't hit it oh, up either. Man. Tomorrow. So I read uh, the second in the Samurai's Blood series came out. Um, I feel it's important for us to give it its due once it's going to be done, but it is still important to mention it here and say that. It's following in the same tradition as the first one, which to me is important, which I know is going to be to you as well. It's it's not just relying on certain cliches. It's doing a couple of things a little differently. And I don't want to spoil it for you because I know you haven't read it yet, but it's, it's very good. It's different. They're not just relying on one thing. There might be like maybe one aspect that I is perhaps a little too cliche with again the the concept of bringing in a, a teacher or a sensei, which is not spoiling too much, but uh, very very good. I enjoyed it a lot. Ironically, the one thing I noticed right away, and guys, if you're listening, spell check your comic book, okay? Oh. Your freaking letterer, spell check. There are a number of mistakes which to me shows a real lack of professionalism especially in this day and age where most letterers use their uh, computer to do it um like this may very well have been done by hand and but again make sure you got it right there's like point blank spelling errors or letters missing in some cases i'm going ooh, not good not good. You guys got to work on that. But very good issue. Very good issue. The price is back up to the normal, however, so it's two ninety nine for this one. But uh, well worth it. And the art, once again, pff, amazing. I read um, Schism number one. Mm -hmm. um, I had not finished reading all of the preludes. I had only read the first two with Xavier and uh, Magneto. So I read three and four, which are with Scott and then with Wolverine. And I was actually disappointed with three and four. 
Hmm. I felt that one and two were far stronger, and I was not as impressed. When I say disappointed, let me say this. It's not that I was disappointed in terms of it was a bad issue. I was disappointed so much as I was disappointed that it wasn't as good as the first two, and it should have been building up so that it was getting bigger and more impressive and more getting your interest whereas i just felt by the end it was just dragging on too long way way too long four issues for him to turn away from the window too long way too long (laughs) there's nothing that interesting on the other side of the window buddy okay a couple of issues while you're talking to the other to the others fine i liked it it kind of worked but i was assuming that by three and four he's stepping away and there's more interactions I wasn't as impressed with three and four. And then when I read this, you know what? It was all right. But for something that's supposed to be leading to the end of the uncanny, let me rephrase that, to the relaunch, the reboot (laughs) of the uncanny X-Men, this was not that big a deal to me. I like, I mean, I, I, I understand the big deal within the scope of the story and the impact that it can has and things like that. Okay. I got that. But in terms of a good story, I got to tell you, I, it was not that big a deal to me. I'm going to interject for a brief second. And I do have to say it's a good start to the mini series. Like it, it, Taking the the grander scheme of things out of it, if they're just saying, hey, this is a new X-Men story, this is a cool first issue uh, with the Sentinels and everything. And I kind of had to stop for a minute and look at it as and reading it. What if I hadn't been reading all the solicitations and the articles? What if I just picked up this new X-Men miniseries off the shelf, not knowing what the big deal was? And the way that really the issue is more about reaffirming the relationship between Scott and Logan than than you know, than breaking it up. So but that's what they're going to the, be doing. I know knowing where the story is supposed to be going. It, it seems a little disjointed but if you had just picked this up you know off the shelf and didn't know where the story was going then i think that's going to make the, the the big divide that happens at some point that much more striking because they started off with the characters two characters being so close well yes and no but it can also work against them when it you could. We'll are doing see. something wherein you're showing them so close and then just a few issues later it's like i've had it with your ass bye bye well you know it it you can't have it both ways, and you certainly can't have something changing that fast within just the span of a few issues. Especially when up until now there was that angst between the characters, and there was a, a feeling that you know, yes, they they work together as a team and all that, but that you know, when they talked about the split, it was like, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see. That. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, quite easily, especially. I, I'm I'm still reading the the ultimate ones where we're oh, tried to kill him. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I can see that. And but that's always been who the characters were, and I like that. And uh, and so now when you're getting this freaking broment there where they're <laughs> it's like, geez, you want to pinch my ass while you're at it? Because they were getting a little tight there. And it was like, uh, yeah, I, I also I, I know where you're going with this. And it's like, mm, no, I wasn't impressed. But then after reading that, I read the freaking ultimate fallout. Number one. Oh, damn and you it's like this. Now, <laughs> this is <laughs> that's the thing. See, I read Skashism and it's like. Man, and then I read Ultimate Fallout. Now, let me let me just say, I'm not a sappy kind of guy. You know, I, I don't have any problems with if I see something emotional. I'm not one of these guys that I'm never gonna cry at a movie. No, 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 no. But I'm not sappy. 
You know what? I cannot remember. And and this is taking into account the, the, the actual death of Spider-Man as well. I cannot remember the last time a freaking comic book, and it may never have happened, and that may be why I can't remember one, has made me shed a tear. When Aunt May gets that hug from that little girl. Are you Spider-Man's mommy? My God. Oh. It wasn't so much that as the hug. And yeah, the, yeah, you're really, it's like, oh, is that a heartstring I see? I'm going to yank on this sucker real hard. Okay, you hang on. But, it, it, and so there, there were, of course, certain cliches that were in the story, but they're cliches that you have to expect in this type of situation. They're, these are things that are going to happen. I mean, you can't, you can't try to be too original with it because, I mean, anybody who has experienced the death of a loved one knows there's certain things that are just point blank going to happen. And so they did a good job with that. And taking into consideration as well who it is that they're having the funeral for and the scope of it and how big it is and how how much of an impact he's had on people's lives and things like that. I think it was so well handled, with the exception of the the, the scene in the classroom with Flash. That was utter stupidity. But <laughs> yeah. again, when she's walking down there and that little girl gives her a hug, again, seriously, it was a, that quintessential single tear rolled down my cheek. And I, I had to stop and I was like, what was funny is that I was reading it and when, when it got to that panel, I was so sucked in at that point. I was... And I'm reading it, and literally my hand went to my mouth. And then you can tell when a scene is very well written because you don't actually take in the whole of the scene yet. You're just so concentrating on what is happening. So my attention is all on Aunt May and that little girl. And my hand's over my mouth, and I look over, and Stark's got literally the exact same pose covering his mouth. And it was like... <laughs> It was it was an unbelievable little moment where I'm like, oh, my God, it, it feels like you're there. So something like this compared to freaking Kashism, it was like you can't even compare the two. I understand that they're they're way different stories, but I mean, even Schism is doing something that's going to have a huge impact on all of the remaining mutants. And yet the emotional like there, there's no, there's no emotion in it for me. Whereas this other one, man, Bendis, you bastard, you made me cry over a freaking comic book. <laughs> and uh, just to piggyback, I also really like the stuff they're doing with Jonah. Um, I know it's nowhere near as you know heartbreaking, but it's it's also really good with him trying to write the freaking obituary yep. in in the paper. Like yep. that was that was cool too. Yeah, it, it literally the only thing in that issue that I didn't like was the stupid moment with Flash. It was it yeah. was literally it was stupid and and it it absolutely did not fit at all. That had editor should have seen that and said no no write something else. Um but every other moment in it was really like I can't wait to read the next one which came out again today. Stupid thing is yeah. waiting for me at the comic book store. I'm probably not going to get a variant now cuz some other bastard's going to walk in and buy it. But I'm, you have to because the variants go together. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to jump into those new releases. And uh, for Marvel this week, we have Avengers number 15, the relaunch, the second Big Shots series, uh, Daredevil number one, which was written by Mark Wade, who wrote Captain America Man at a Time. See that I tie it all together. I'm a professional. <laughs> People might think you plan ahead. Yeah, that 
except uh, let's not look at when the show notes were made. <laughs> we have Generation Hope number nine, Hulk number 37, Invincible Iron Man 506, as we just talked about, issues two for both Marvel Universe versus Wolverine and Ultimate Fallout. Awesome stuff there. Uh, New Avengers number 14, Uncanny X-Men 541, X-Factor 222, and X-Men number 15. I got like, I think four freaking, this is starting to get too expensive. Seriously. <laughs> My God. Well, uh, speaking of too expensive. Yeah, really. We have Flashpoint from DC, of course. Uh, second issues for Dead Man and the Flying Graysons, Ooh. Legion of Doom, The Outsider, and Wonder Woman and the Furies. Uh, I've also got Hellblazer 281. I've been checking that comic out again, and um, it, uh, it's a fun comic to read. And we have Thunder Agents number nine. And then wrapping up all from Image, we have Marine Man number six, Walking Dead number 87, and Witch Doctor number two. I thought the first issue was pretty cool. I'm definitely going to check out the second one there. You know what? I need to catch up on Marine Man because I actually did not read issue five. So I need to read five as well as six because I really, really was enjoying that series a lot. And of course, Walking Dead. Jesus, is he going to walk? I mean... It, let's not get into that we're again, not going to get into it because that insanity <laughs> not tonight but we are at a point now where i don't know about you but i i am now like it was funny before but now we're at a point where it's like okay something's got to happen now okay like this is dragging on way too long now we need something to happen so yeah, i'm really hoping something does Obviously, he's not going to jump out of bed, but at least something to get Rick out of the freaking room and move Wake on up. With the story. Open an eye. That's all you got now. <laughs> freaking, you know, open <laughs> an eye. Look around. Ask for a muffin. You know, there's it's do something. And of course, this is the big week where Captain America: The First Avenger opens in theaters. I have actually secured my tickets to the midnight premiere for the movie. So uh, check out the website uh, some point on Friday when I'll have a review up for everybody. And dude, this is Comic Con too. This is yeah. this is a huge, huge week. We're already seeing some trailers coming out for like the new Spider Man. They've got the Amazing Spider Man trailer, mm -hmm. which kills me that they're doing yet another relaunch of the origin story. We'll I would have <laughs> I would have much preferred that they actually just took off where the other ones ended, but no, we're getting yet another origin story. So I'm a little disappointed in that. But did I'm you see the freaking sorry, what were you gonna say? I said I'm not disagreeing with that, and uh, it's definitely yeah. something we're going to discuss in a little more detail next week. Yeah. Did you see the trailer for Conan, the Barbarian? Yes, I have. Dude, oh my god. <laughs> that looks amazing. That looks... And I saw it and I thought, eh. you know, I've never been a huge Conan fan. I, I, I remember when it came out with Schwarzenegger and I just have never been a huge Conan fan. I didn't even... The game. I was given a, a, a license for our other podcast to play the game and I still... I never really did. I can't I can't get into that IP. And I saw this and I'm like, oh, I'm watching that for sure. So, uh, yes, next week uh, we're probably going to have a big Comic-Con episode uh, talking about not just movie trailers, but everything that else they're, uh, they're going to be announcing this next couple days. So it's definitely going to be a very interesting time to uh, stay tuned to the news sites. And if you don't do that, at least we're going to have a few things to say next week. So that wraps us up here. Uh, issue 36. Find us at comicbookinformer.com, on Twitter at CB Informer, and on iTunes. Uh, we're still looking for some really nice reviews from you guys. And Comic-Con next week. I, like, you I know would what? never hang Screw up on you. you. But yes, you would. <laughs> have you forgotten who you're talking to? <laughs> Nobody loves me.